In 2018, the Wealth Standard Podcast broke down the year into three seasons, each focusing on a principle from the inspired works of philosopher John Locke, specifically his philosophy on life, liberty, and property. In 2019, we progressed from principle to the ideal environment for building wealth and achieving prosperity. The theme was laissez-faire capitalism. For season two, it continues. The theme is entrepreneurship and intrapreneurship and how you apply the principles and environment to the individual. The guests ranging from economists to entrepreneurs to political influencers, authors, and more will teach you how to take your life to the next level. Now, on to the next episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Well Standard Podcast. This is Patrick Donahoe, and I'm excited to be with you. I'm excited to introduce my guest today. Before I do that and actually give you a little story, actually tell the story in the interview as well. But I wanted to remind you that the offer that I extended over the last couple of podcasts is still live and valid, and it is a, a pretty significant discount to come with me to uh, Tony Robbins' Unleash the Power Within, which is going to be in San Jose in March. I think it's the 12th through the 14th or 15th. I could be totally wrong. Go to the website, thewellstandard.com. In the show notes, you'll see a link and some contact information to connect with uh, my man over at Tony Robbins organization, whose name is uh, Jeffrey, and uh, he'll take care of you and get you that uh, get that discount. But can't wait to see you guys there. So if you guys have resonated with this year's, well, at least the theme over the last six to seven months, eight months maybe, about entrepreneurship, this is, uh, this is an event that I believe will change your life. It's an event that certainly has changed mine as well as countless other individuals. And if you are had that urge, that itch that you want to scratch, the itch of entrepreneurship and have ideas and uh, have means, but yet your psychology is, uh, is in allowing you to, uh, to make that leap, then this is, uh, this is an event for you. I think this will change the way in which you view your business, your profession, yourself, your relationships. It's incredible. And I think you guys will, uh, will love it. Plus, I can't wait to be there with you. So if you guys are interested, just go head over to thewellstandard.com. And in the show notes in this episode, as well as the previous two episodes, you will find that uh, that information. All right, let's get to my guest today. His name's Jacob Durham. This is awesome. It's a local company, and it is a a backpack that I purchased a couple of years ago. It's the brand that this individual is one of the founders of, and it's called Nomadic, and it's nomadic.com. And it's such an inspiring interview, an inspiring story. You're able to see a lot of the principles that we've talked through. Uh, over the course of this season uh, in practice and and also looking at just kind of how serendipity works where when you have some will when you have a dream when you have an urge just the the magic that can happen because of that is uh, is awesome to see so you're going to hear that in uh, in uh, in Jacob uh, so it's going to be live it's right here in the studio obviously he's not here right now uh, but he will be in just uh, in, in just a second well Interviews already happened, but you'll see him on the video in just a second. But Jacob's an awesome guy. You can see just his the spirit in him, the drive in him. It was an awesome interview. And Nomadic is an. I mean, I, I researched this company for you know for several uh, several months. Research purchasing a backpack. I had to travel, and I wanted something that was durable as well as simple, but yet could fit everything. And it's incredible. And the company's incredible. I I had a, a rip in my zipper, you know, a few months ago. Took a picture, submitted it. They sent me a brand new one within a couple of days. Incredible company, and they're now into more than uh, than wallets and uh, and backpacks. They're into all sorts of stuff. So you guys definitely want to uh, follow them. And if you're in the market, definitely a good uh, good product to pick up. Now the story. So the story is there's like kind of this cultish following behind it because I was in uh, Europe past summer at an event, and I was on a row, and I looked over and saw my backpack. It wasn't my backpack, but it looked like my backpack. And so I looked there and I was confused because I was like, okay, why, why is it there? And I'm here. And then I noticed mine was right there. So I looked at the guy. He looked back at me, then looked down at my backpack. And we kind of gave each other like the bro wink. It was, uh, it was pretty cool because Nomadic is one of those brands where you can recognize the bag. It's a cool, sleek looking bag. I actually will show you mine in the interview. And, and I definitely think you, you guys, uh, if you're in the market for one, it's a great, uh, it's a great product. So 
Uh, but Jacob also has an amazing story. Him and his cousin are the ones that started the, the business and it uh, started on, on Kickstarter and then did some more crowdfunding campaigns. But that's really how they seeded their, their ideas. And it's, it's such a, just a powerful lesson. So uh, you guys will, will definitely get a kick out of it. It's a great almost final episode this year, but can't wait for next season as well. We're going to get into a little bit different topic, much less philosophical, although I'm going to interweave some of the philosophy into it, of course. Uh, but we're going to be talking about investment, investment strategy, and not typical investment. We're going to talk about just the weird investments, the stuff that you probably haven't heard of before. So I have some really cool guests lined up. So stay tuned for uh, some more information there. I'll be announcing that uh, officially in the next couple of episodes and talking more in depth about what I would like to learn as well as what I would love you guys to learn as well. Okay, that's it. Thanks for listening, guys. If you uh, like what you hear, go and give us a good review on iTunes. That definitely helps. They are narrowing down, you know, the amount of podcasts that are on uh, iTunes. And really, if you don't have good rate, uh, ratings, that there's not going to be much exposure to new audiences. And so, we really appreciate the support that you guys have given us, and given me in the past. And I mean it sincerely. Thank you so much for the support. The feedback that I continue to get about the podcast just is inspiring to me, and I can't wait to bring you more amazing content this uh, this coming 2020. Okay, I'm gonna stop talking. Let's get to the interview. Thank you guys for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Patrick. Thank you for joining one of our last episodes for this season. And if you guys are watching on video, I have someone in the studio. It's not just me and some virtual guy on a TV screen. So I have Jacob Durham, and we just met. But he's a really cool guy and has an amazing business. It's it's local, but he is one of the co-founders and owner of Nomadic. Yep. And this is Nomadic. Nomadic is like these yeah, I love that you have a bag. I have the I have that. So this is a <clears throat> this is a new bag, right? Nice. Because I got one like I think a year and a half ago or two years ago. And okay. the and the zipper kind of came yeah. loose. But I like I took a picture, some you know, submitted it and got a brand new bag within awesome. like three days. It was amazing. Yep. So this thing's awesome. And I chose it because I have to travel and we could probably do like some sort of demo yeah, right now. Walk through, <laughs> but this thing is it, this thing is amazing. First off, the durability, like from a travel perspective, you can literally fit everything in it. But Nomadic isn't just backpacks anymore. So we're gonna talk through uh, what you guys are up to, your journey as entrepreneurs. Uh, but I love that we're doing this type of episode at the end, right? Because we've gone through like the philosophy of the entrepreneur. We've had you know tons of different guests from that perspective. We've also had like those that have been part of other entrepreneur journeys, like coaches or authors. And then we've also had, you know, a couple of people that were part of, you know, going from zero to nothing, right? Or zero to one, I guess is yeah. the, you know, the term. But it's awesome to have you here, man, because like I didn't know you guys were in Utah, right? Yeah. And then, you know, Utah is kind of a small, you know, in a sense, community. It's big, but it's yeah. small, especially from like the business world. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, someone that works alongside me, Ben, Related to you, yeah. and he was like, "Yeah, you should." Have, yeah, okay, let's do it. And <laughs> now you're good, here, yeah. which is awesome. I was just like, "Yeah." So it's it's cool awesome. that you're here, and I can't wait to talk about nomadic, right? So first off, did you ever think you were going to be like an entrepreneur? Like, did you <laughs> did you have that like seed inside you, or was it just this like random series of events and serendipity? Oh, well, I think I my dad's an entrepreneur, so it's kind oh, of okay. the family. My okay. dad, I have a my dad's brother's an entrepreneur, okay. so a couple of them. It's kind of in the family. We kind of call it a sickness because we just kind of <laughs> stop like doing more and more. Um, so I always dreamed of doing it. Cool. When we started this. It wasn't like, hey, let's start a business and let's get to this much. Let's build to this size. It was kind of like, let's start a project, get some cash, learn a little bit about business, and then we'll stop and then I'll continue with my normal day job. Got it. Okay. So it and that's how Nomadic started. Yeah. So uh-huh. this is one of your fir- your first. Yeah. Hopefully, like yeah, the first. Yeah, it was pretty much the first where we tried my hand like making serious money. Yeah, to me it was serious. We were trying to raise ten thousand on Kickstarter with our wallet, and yeah, <laughs> that's right. So it started with the wallet, then went, it went to the backpack. Mm-hmm. So we did a wallet, and then we did a notebook like planner. Okay, um, and then we did um, a travel bag like a duffel. Okay, and then backpacks, and then we've done we've done about nine Kickstarters so far. Jeez, mm-hmm. now you have influencers like Lewis Howes. Uh, who are some of the other influencers that we that are promoting your stuff, using your stuff, using your products? Yeah, Lewis House is a big one that we've been able to become friends with. He's an awesome guy. Yeah. Um, Peter McKinnon is someone we've worked with. He's a big photographer. There's a couple other local people that are just good friends of ours, but those are probably the two that people will know the most out of our the ones that we're uh, close with. So you've been around for five years. Mm-hmm. So talk about maybe where you're at right now from like a size standpoint. Like how many? Like customers, maybe when you know in your first couple of years to to now, like where are you guys at right now? 
So customers like if you look at like our email, we we have about three hundred fifty to four hundred thousand emails emails on our email list. We have about eighteen employees on our team. Uh, me and my cousin started it, and yeah, I've been around for five years, and yeah, then they have like a six thousand square foot office in Sandy. And so let's talk about let's talk about the journey, right? We we yeah. talked briefly about what we have kind of referred to as you know the entrepreneur journey, which is can parallel to you know, the life cycle of a human being, right? Yeah. So you're born, you have an idea in business. Uh, you're a toddler, you learn to, you know, walk and speak, right? In the business world is you learn how to you know, market a few things and see that people will buy something from you, yeah. right? Then you go to, you know, your teenager where you think you know everything to, you know, the young adult where now you're super appreciative, right? Yeah. Of not going out of business in the first right. couple of years. Like where, where are you guys, where are you guys at? Or maybe walk us through <laughs> the journey of kind of, you know, how you went through those stages and then where you're at right now. Yeah. Trying to assess where you're, where you're at yourself is probably <laughs> a really scary thing to do because you always, it's funny, you, when you're in a moment, you always think, okay, I, I've learned a lot. I'm pretty smart now. But then like five years, then you look back and you're like, man, I knew nothing about what I was doing. I have grown so much. And then at that moment, you think you're smart. And then five years later, again, you're like, I knew nothing back then. So it's like a constant progress. So I don't know if I can peg exactly where I am. Looking at peers around me, I've worked with some, I have some advisors and people I lean on who um, make me feel like I'm a baby and just beginning still. So I'd probably say I'm still in the early stages, you know? It's hard because I think you, cause you carry, all, you carry, you know, just like, you know, life, you carry all sorts of ways of doing things, perspective, mm -hmm. uh, opinion, bias, based on how you were raised, based on yeah. what you were like as a toddler or a teenager. But I, you know, I agree with you because it's hard to identify exactly where you're at. Uh, I think the prime of life, right, is, is when, you know, you, you go to just hiring people who have already done it. And you just, you know, continue to innovate. Yeah. I'm not there, you know, and very few businesses are there, but that's yeah. kind of one of those like arrivals where it's like, okay, instead of like figuring it out yourself, you just find someone that's already figured it out yeah. and, yeah. and hire them and pay, you know, and pay them better and smarter than you. Yeah. So maybe as you, you know, you and your cousin, as you started, like you probably were doing everything, right? Marketing, you're doing payroll, yep. you're doing the books, you know, you were turning off the lights, you were getting the cleaning done. Like maybe walk through yeah. as you started to achieve some success and bring on people. Sure. Like how did you go about hiring and expanding nomadic by having, you know, obviously there's the the scale of using other people to do certain tasks. Yeah. Yeah, so when we started 5 years ago, it was just my cousin and I, and we probably went for a good, let's see what was it like, year and a half until we brought anyone else on. And that person we brought on, well, the first thing we brought on was customer service because it was just a piece that took so much time and it didn't need us to do it. It wasn't what we were there to do. So that was the first person. And let's see, after that, we started... So if I'd, at about two years, we had about two or three, probably three years, we had about six people. And it was interesting. Bringing on people is a really interesting experience. It, <laughs> it's tough because when you're doing everything yourself, you have a vision and you don't have to communicate to someone else what that vision is. You just know like, hey, I want to do this and it's not working. So I'm going to stop or it's working great. So I'm going to lean more into that. Yeah. And you just know that intuitively. Yeah. Getting someone else to think about that really, really well and align with you is, I still don't know how to do it. I'm still figuring it out. But. And oftentimes you, you assume that they already know, they know what to do, right? Yeah. Uh, you'd think it's just inherent, but they haven't been there. And the fact that they don't isn't ever their fault. It's just they haven't been there to see all the decisions along the way that got you there. They've never been there. They're super smart people around me, but they haven't had the same experiences with these products and with our vendors and in all these things. They haven't tried these different things that I already have. So they just can't know those things. But you, you imagine that they would or they would just get it, but it, it's not the case. So what have you done? What have you done to whether it's training or onboarding or development of your, of your team? Like what have you guys done from that, uh, from that perspective yeah. of understanding that, Hey, they're not just going to be hired and get it, even though they're smart, but yeah. you know, teaching them, like what are some of the ways that you've done that? I think one of the biggest things is really like looking with myself saying like, what do I want? I have to define that first. Like yeah. that's the hardest part. And we've been working on it for the past, like, I think we've really been working on it for the past like year and a half trying to really decide what is nomadic? What is our purpose? Why are we here? What do our customers want from us? What is our vision and goal? Like all that stuff. And so I think that was the first step for us is trying to define that. And that's constantly changing. So we're constantly asking ourselves what that is. And then it's the next step is then learning how to communicate that effectively. Um, and right now we're actually in the process. Like I said, when you're in the moment, you think you know everything, and then you go back and you realize you don't know anything. And so we're always upgrading this. But right now we've gone through this year and realized our team lacked a lot of the vision that we wanted them to have. And in the moment, you're so busy, you can't, you, you think it's working. And then three months later, you realize, gosh, I failed again and I didn't do it right. And so for us now, we're saying, okay, when 2020 comes around, 
We're going to revamp our bonus, our incentives, our alignment, our what meetings we have that reinforce that vision. So that when the end of the year comes, if things don't happen, we realize we, we can maybe hopefully you know, that if things don't happen, we can sort of point to something, understand why it's happened, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Understand Diagnose what part's it. broken. Uh-huh. Because it's it's just such a big learning process to figure out how to communicate that. I wish I had a really great answer to say, this is how you do it. This is the perfect answer because yeah. I, I think that it's something that most entrepreneurs, probably all entrepreneurs can yeah. uh, can relate to. Well, maybe talk about how you've gone about discovering uh, who you are, what you want, what role are you best at playing, yeah. right? And then maybe talk about some of the the bigger roles that you've brought on, you know, operational role, marketing role, where it was a very important piece, not necessarily a customer service, but a really important piece. Yeah. For me, I think finding out where I belong, my dad always had a saying that was, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. And everyone has heard that. But for me, it was finding out what I love to do, what I'm passionate about, and what I feel like I'm effective at. And for me, it's been product development, working with the factories overseas and um, innovating, developing, and then also telling our story of who we are. Yeah. So those are the pieces that I've tried to hold on to a bit. So for me, it's been when I'm in the business and working, what energizes me and then what drains me? Like That's kind of like cool. the thing I figure Very out. Cool. And if something's energizing me, I want to hold on to those pieces a little bit more because mm-hmm. I feel like when I'm energized and excited, I'm going to perform at a higher level. Oh, yeah. And when I'm being drained, I'm going to perform at a lower level. Yep. And Very uh, cool. So that's probably one of the biggest like temperatures I can take on where I should exist in the business. Yeah. The, the, one of the most recent guests, uh, Craig Ballantyne, who's like a bit, kind of a business coach and speaker author, he has this exercise where you essentially calendar, you, you keep track of everything you're doing during the week, all your tasks, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then you essentially do kind of like hot, warm, hot, warm, cold, right? As far as like your energy level and your excitement level, yeah. right? And that's kind of where you start. That's, that's, that's interesting. And it's one of those things where you sometimes get to the point where it's like you like doing something, but you know you're not necessarily good at it. <laughs> right. And then it's purely that's, that that's painful when that happens. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. you're like, I really want to be, because some, some pieces like look awesome and cool. Like if I can design like cooler yeah. entrepreneur or something, like I just am not good at that. <laughs> so maybe, maybe talk humble. about some of like those, some of the principal roles, whether it's an operational role or an accounting role or a marketing role, business development role that you, that you brought on, right? That, yeah. that made a difference. Walk us through that. Yeah. So I think the first thing we did was me and my business partner found positions that where we didn't need to be there. Like it was task oriented. Those are the first things we hired. And that's what most people do. Bigger roles that we've hired on have been, we have hired on a video guy, which okay. has been awesome. He's super talented. He worked with the Devin Supertramp. He does really extreme videos and things on YouTube. Yeah. But Tyson, he's been an awesome hire, a skill that we just don't have. And that's been really helpful to develop the brand, make it look a lot better. And then there's marketing people who we, we haven't hired any like real big executive level positions. Honestly, okay. up to now, it's been a lot of a lot more of uh, function, functional leaders, I guess, like in like mar- directors or things like that. Got it. We have marketing and operations. And um, we actually have filled out a lot of places, even places where I was, where I get energized. We have hired people who just are better than me, like product development. Mm-hmm. We hired on a guy who w- worked at OGO. He was their head, oh, of, wow. head of product development. Wow. When they got bought by Callaway, they moved to California and we were able to bring him onto our team, which was awesome. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. He's really great. So really, we do have p- people in every position in the company, really. And me and my cousin now are trying to just keep our DNA of the brand yeah. with those guys. Awesome. So we'll meet with them weekly and all the time and try to, as we are developing product, we understand what our customers are looking for and want, we think. Yep. And uh, so we really try hard to be in those meetings and say, okay, this bag looks great, but how do we take it to the next level? What's the yeah. next piece of innovation? What's the next thing we need to do? So how do you, how do you and your cousin like work together? Like maybe walk us through that, like founders and partners. Yeah, we've been so lucky. We always say that if we could interview a million people, we wouldn't find someone better than each other on no how way. it works together. We just got yeah. lucky. We're cousins. And, um, so you've known each other your mm-hmm. entire life. Yeah. yeah. We've grown up, uh, hanging out and, um, we work really well together, but we're also very, we're very opposite, which I think is probably why we work well together. The polarity. Yeah. He's very good in the moment, in the details, figuring out like if something's breaking down in the business today, he know he can see it and logically think through what's happening and fix it. And then I'm saying, but in a year from now, we have to launch this product and this. So all these things have to happen between now and then. So we're, we work well together that way. He's very logical. His, his ability to think through a problem and resolve it today is so powerful. I like look up to him a lot, a lot for that. And then I'm just, he kind of is, he's kind of always like, I'm always thinking of what's next and what's happening next. And he kind of gets frustrated. He's like, Jacob, we have so much to work on today. Yeah. So it works really well that we bounce off, balance each other that way. 
And that, and you guys didn't design it that way, right? No. It just kind of happened. Yeah. It's one of those yeah. like, you know, those serendipitous events, those lucky events that just, that yeah. just happened because yeah, there, I see that when you have two founders that are the exact same, wow, it's, it's, that's yeah. where conflict starts, right? But when you have mm-hmm. polarity, especially when it comes to strengths, that's huge. So it sounds like you're the, you kind of have that vision, that visionary vision of, yeah. you know, what things would, would become understanding the customer, understanding the brand. But at the same time, it's like that can get people into a lot of trouble. Like yeah. we work as a good example of, and there's millions of different examples of people that would just want to push the envelope without much operational capability, right? Yeah. And implementation capability. Yeah. He looks at a, I'll say we should do this, this, and this. He's like, Jacob, we can't do 20 things in the year. We have to do like two and we have to do those really, really well. Yeah. And he's really good at honing me in and saying, you're, you're being unrealistic. But it's not honing you in like suppressing that. It's no. like, keep going, keep going, keep going. Exactly. But it's like, okay, let's, let's find, let's find it. the most important things, the things that will make mm-hmm. the biggest difference and chip away at those first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And another huge piece that I think has made everything work for us. And it's like our biggest piece of culture. Whenever we hire someone, we talk about it is um, humility. It's like nothing else matters in our company but humility. We always say it doesn't matter who's right as long as we end up at what's right. What's right, yeah. Yeah, like we live and die by that. If we, And we tell people when we hire them, like if you're not humble, if you're bringing in pride, you're yeah. gone right away. Yeah. Like we tell them that every time oh, and yeah. we live by it. And so John and I, as you develop ideas and you'll work on something for like three weeks and you'll present it, I'm like I hate it. And you have to be like, okay, how do we make this better? And you yeah. trust that their intentions are right, yeah. you know, and that's what's made it work is that humility. It's well, huge. Well, it's interesting. And like, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit during the season where, you know, our, our society is heavily influenced by the concept and the notion of, of what failure is. Mm-hmm. And it really has to do with the school system. There's other elements as well, right? But the school system like says, you know, failure is bad, right? right? Mm-hmm. Success by yourself is good, right? Right. And there's a, there's a book that we reference often, which is why A students work for C students and why B students work for the government. (laughs) And there's a lot of evidence there because typically the, the, uh, C students aren't F students, but they're just distracted. They're bored. They're not challenged. Right. And they're visionary and they don't necessarily like to be, you know, march by the beat of the drum. You need that role. You also need a role. You also need B role. Yeah. Uh, At the same time, it's seeing how those roles work together. But my point in making that, uh, example was the idea of failure. People are like, if they think they're going to fail or do something wrong and it's characterized as something's wrong with them, yeah. well, it, it's, it's bad. So it's amazing you right. lead with that, right? Because business is all about failure yeah. because you can't get to what works mm-hmm. unless you, what <laughs> does it work first? Right. Totally. Yeah. I just read a book called, it's called Outwitting the Devil. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And uh, I, we interviewed he, Sharon Lecter uh, oh, really? on the season. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah. Yeah. It's a really good book. And uh, in that it talks about one of the devil's most powerful tools is saying failure is a mistake. Like, yeah. Failure should be called education, yeah. not failure. And I love that principle. Like yeah. failure is so necessary and it's not a negative thing. It's no. growth. Yeah. It's just those like social rules that exist of what yeah. failure is. Right. Uh-huh. But failure is like, man, failure is one of the most amazing experiences out there because it's where all the true learning takes place. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you fail over and over and you have to be okay with that. Felt like I think it's Gary V always says like, fail fast, fail fast, fail fast. Yeah. And then fix it. Yeah. But you have to do that. You For have sure. to be okay with that. That's amazing. And I think that, so have you guys established kind of like your set of like core values, like what, what drives the, the business? Cause it sounds like that's one of them, you know, yeah. hu- humility and being willing to fail, but being okay with it and yeah. learning from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a huge one. The, probably our biggest core value is that humility and um, being able to talk openly with each other, no politics, like that gets squashed right away and thrown out the door. We just don't deal with it. That's huge. And then recognition, recognizing people who are doing good, saying if someone else had a good idea, make sure they know that they did a good job. That's huge. How did you decide to use Kickstarter? Like, how did you decide to go in like raise capital that way? Yeah. So Kickstarter, the, it's kind of the growth story of our company. The, the origins of our company yeah. is in Kickstarter. So like I said, it wasn't that we were trying to start a business when we did all this. It was me and my cousin went to a jazz game and we said, let's try our hand at business somehow. Make a few extra bucks. I had a baby coming and I was living paycheck to paycheck. I'm like, I need extra cash somehow. And so... <laughs> We said, okay, we're going to do something together. And that was it. We left that night saying, let's talk like every day and try to develop something. And my cousin had been, it was in BYU in the entrepreneurial program and learned about Kickstarter and told me about it. And we're like, great, that's awesome. And so we're like, we don't have any cash. Kickstarter is a way that people can pre-order product. And um, all you have to give is time to make it happen. So we basically what happened was I went to, we started designing, developing the product together. Like we were down in my basement and hold some like piece of paper and elastic band together. And we're like trying to figure out what we could, how we could make a wallet different. Cause it's been done a million times. Yeah. And so we 
we came up with an idea, went to Joanne's, we paid like $200 for all these materials. And that was our total investment in the company so far. <laughs> <laughs> and so, we, so cool. we developed the wallet and Kickstarter just was the platform that allowed us to launch without any financial needs up front. So yeah. we launched it there, hoping to raise 10,000, ended up raising 170,000. And we were just like mind blown, so excited, just Learned a ton in that process. Okay, I got to ask. So what sold the people that got them to 170? Was it <laughs> yeah. the fact that you had a new wallet or like, yeah. like what were some of the characteristics you associated so with? So the wallet's innovative. I guess I can show you. So this is the wallet. It's a super minimalist wallet. Yeah. And but the big difference is you pull this tab and it pulls out half your cards. It gives you access to your foremost use cards. Then you cinch it back together. So it's pretty innovative, but it's not like rocket science, yeah. right? But the thing that worked for us, so we, we started the campaign. We had 30 days in the campaign. And for 15 days, we were just using our own means to contact people and say, hey, come buy our wallet. Yeah. And we got to like $8,000. And we were excited, but we were like starting to make only like $200 a day. And we were like, are we going to hit our goal? We might not. And at that point, we contacted a local company called Funded Today who taught us about, who, who ran Facebook ads for us. Okay. And when we started running Facebook ads, we went from $200 a day to raising like $8,000 a day. Oh my gosh. And we're just like, okay what just happened. And for us, it was like the aha moment of like, in business, if you want people to buy your product, you have to spend money. You have to get in front of them somehow. You oh, can't yeah. just hope it goes viral. Yeah. Like virality is, is just luck. And so that for us was like, okay, you have to spend money to gain customers and you have to just do it in smart ways. And so Facebook ads is what drove that. That was huh. huge. And so my cousin, he actually quit his full-time job at that point and okay. said, I'm just going to dive uh, full into Facebook ads. And that's what he did. The analytical cousin. Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. I just dive straight into Facebook ads and we got really good at it. And once the campaign ended in January, so it ended in like November. In January, we had, we had wallets in our hands that we could sell. He started running Facebook ads and it started those. turning. And it was, it was in the time, like the golden age of Facebook ads where yeah. it was like, you could target we anybody. Like 10 or 15 to one returns. <laughs> For sure. So it was like printing money and we're yeah. just like, spend everything, just keep <laughs> going, go, go, go. And I think in the first year, we ended up making like, I think it was like 1.5 million on just $20 wallets oh my because gosh. Facebook ads were just crushing it. So I quit my job like six months later. And yeah, so that, that was the beauty of Kickstarter is you could launch a product with no, you don't have to go and make inventory. You see that people actually like it. So you get the cash up front, then you go and manufacture. So the risk is so low. So through that experience, because obviously like Facebook changed and you know, how that, all that works, uh, change ads got more expensive. Like what? What did you discover about your customer? Like the audience that was buying, was it them responding to a video or responding to language or responding, you know, you use certain demographics and tested those because, yeah. you know, back in Facebook, you can get very, you know, granular yeah. as far as who you targeted. Like, talk us through like how you identified your customer. Yeah. So the thing that we did, Facebook really identified the customer for us. We used mm -hmm. lookalike audiences, yeah, right? right. And so we took all the emails. That was the other cool part is because we had a $170,000 campaign. We ended up with, I think it was like 8,000 backers. So we had 8,000 emails okay. right from the start, which is a hard thing to get when you're a new entrepreneur. People yeah. who actually bought your product, who are interested in your brand. So Kickstarter gave you the email you addresses. The emails. Gave, oh, okay, mm -hmm. wow. So then we plugged those into Facebook. They look like audiences. So from that, you get like 10 million people who look like your audience and then you start serving ads. Yeah, got it. So that, so that kind of did the work for us, okay. which was nice. But we did learn a lesson though throughout it. Like we launched the wallet, we launched the planner and both of those had like features, something that was different, like how this has the pull, you pull the tab and yeah. you get access. Our notebooks had pen holders and there was sleeves in the back, whiteboard paper, a lot of features and functions. Then after that, we actually launched a watch that was just a minimalist watch that didn't have a lot of features yeah. and it like tanked. Huh. So we learned that for us, that innovation, that feature rich product was It's like the, the novelty, thing. like the yeah. novel feature is what like piques somebody's interest. And we learned that on huh. Facebook, like we actually started an ad agency where we were running Facebook ads for other companies at this time. Oh, really? We learned how to do it really well. <laughs> That's the entrepreneur in me, like it's yeah. a sickness I can't stop. <laughs> and so we learned that for companies that were, we actually focused, we had a niche of Companies who were on Kickstarter then went to their own website. Okay. We only ran their Facebook ads and not other companies. Because if you were just selling a t-shirt that had prints on it, like it wasn't innovative. Yeah. And on Facebook, you wanted something eye-catching and different and a story God. behind it. And so by having something innovative that was Kickstarter worthy, it actually made it better on Facebook ads. Because uh -huh. it was just you need that innovation, that something that's special something that made it different that caught people's eye. Did you ever launch something that, that wasn't successful or as successful? I mean, you did the watch, it sounds the like. The watch wasn't on Kickstarter though. We launched that okay. on our site. We expected it to be less. We just didn't expect it to be that much, do that 
bad. Got it. <laughs> but everything that we've launched on Kickstarter, you know, in order to go on Kickstarter, you need something innovative. You can't be on there if it's not because okay. you actually they'll shut you down if you just. We had a friend who was launching who launched a watch and got shut down because Kickstarter said it wasn't innovative enough. Got it. So there's that requirement, that prerequisite. Okay. So on Kickstarter, fortunately, we've always the wallet was our lowest campaign at 170,000. And now we've done like nine and we've raised over $10 million through Kickstarter, which has been awesome. That's insane. That's amazing. Congrats. Thanks. So, all right. So how did you go now from a wallet, which is very minimalistic to the planner to like this complex bag, right? (laughs) Because it's like, that's minimal. Like this complex bag that has like pockets galore protections, like the RFID protection for like identity theft. Sunglasses, shell, the retractable yeah, you get the sh- like, yeah, you, seriously, it's like the Swiss Army knife of bags. And then I got so this was you know I got this bag because it was the newest bag mm-hmm. and it had some other things in there that yeah. the first one that didn't have. So how did yeah. you go from like some you know simplistic to something more complex? Yeah. So our process has always been um, very data driven and based around Kickstarter. So Kickstarter is our demographic, and we uh, basically what we've always done is we said okay we're with the first one we said we're launching on Kickstarter. Okay, what product does well regularly on Kickstarter, and we found that wallets always funded, whether it was $5,000 goals, $10,000, $20,000. And there were campaigns that were making like $500,000 on wallets. So we're like, there's so many of them. They always work. Let's just try that one. And so that worked. And then after we finished this campaign, we're like, okay, what product is next? We looked, planners were doing well. So we did a planner next. And then we saw that bags were doing well. So then we jumped into bags. And then um, the other piece that drove it to was the, like we said earlier, the Facebook ad cost was rising. And so we needed higher price point items. So we always said we had to do each campaign needed to be a higher price point and had to be things that do well on Kickstarter regularly. So that kind of, that's kind of the direction and how we ended up ending up the products we did. But that learning curve of going, learning curve of going from a simple wallet to a complex bag was pretty steep, but it, it just took time. It, I mean, each, every bag we develop takes about a year to develop. And how did you do, perfect. how did you do the, like the concept development? Like how yeah. did you guys? Where you like had some dream and you're like, oh, I see this bag with a bunch of pockets in there. Or, yeah. or did you have some sort of, are, are using some sort of process to say like, okay, what's a product that people, our customer wants and, and needs yeah. and then develop it from there? Like walk us through that process. I'd be, yeah. I'd be curious about that. So whenever we decide we're going to develop a product, we do have a process that we follow where we say, okay, let's look at all the best bags that we can find out there. Let's buy them all and look and study them. Ah, okay. And then we create big surveys that we use Google Sheets, okay. Google, Google Forms. Yeah, We create surveys where we say, okay, what's in your bag right now? We'll ask that question and say, do you, what type of bag do you carry? Do you carry this in your bag? What, and just tons of questions. What's the best feature you love about your bag? And um, we'll survey like crazy and get tons of information that way. And then we just figure out how to take all the current bags that exist that people like and grab the best pieces and sort of make a Frankenstein of bags, but then make, <laughs> it, so cool. make it look clean and sleek at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. So, so talk, walk us through now the, you know, it sounds like price point was going to luggage, but how'd you guys go to luggage? Like what was that uh, decision process like? Yeah, that was a tough one it, along the way. So after, so on the wallet, we did like 170,000 on Kickstarter. Then we did 380,000 with the planner. And then with the travel bag, our, th- our 40 liter travel bag, we did 1.7 million and then raised another 1.5 million on Indiegogo. So we're like, okay, we're a bad company now. Yeah. That's all we're going to focus on. We're going to make the most. <laughs> and our tagline for that was the most functional travel bag ever. Got so it. we're saying we're going to make the most functional bags ever. Yeah. And so we made the travel, we made the travel bag, like the duffel. Then we've made backpacks, messenger bags. And so we're kind of knocking out each bag that fits into like every home has at least one of these bags. Yeah. So we kind of went through cool. sequentially and then luggage was the last one on the list, but also the toughest. So we kind of saved that for the end. Because going into plastics and all that is is not easy. But also luggage, like I know there's a, a bunch of kind of Kickstarter, I think it was Kickstarter, where they develop bags, like smart bags, they yeah. had battery and like totally tank just because of regulation yeah. stepping yeah, in. Yeah, there so, was a couple of companies that like went out of business overnight yeah. because of that. Huh. Mm-hmm. That's Yeah, I remember going to the airport once with a bag like that and I had to have my wife come pick the bag up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, sad for them, but it was great for us because it actually, a lot of those were male focused brands. Yeah. And a lot of them had to just disappear. So it kind of paved away. Like it was right when we were thinking about doing it and we're like, okay, let's hit it hard. And so it's good. So what's next for Nomadic? What are you guys thinking? What are you working on? Like what are things to expect in 2020? So we just launched one of our biggest campaigns ever. We launched the Peter McKinnon camera bag. Mm. So photography is a big next step for us that we're excited about. It's fun going into a niche where a community exists, where everyone's doing photography and the bag supports that hobby really well. So we're really excited about that. And we've just did a travel pack 
on that one, like more of like a travel photography bag. Yeah. So we're looking forward to do like everyday type of bags and gear with Peter again. So that's a big thing. And then also we just loved working with someone like a Peter McKinnon. He has like 6 million that followers. Already has an audience. Mm-hmm. Audience. He's an opinion leader inside of this community. So we're trying to see what other communities resonate with our audience. Like we've talked about like gym, tech, minimalism, sustainability, yeah. those types of things and say, what other big, really awesome people exist out there that embody those verticals and try to see if any of them like, like the nomadic brand. The cool part with Peter was he was already buying our stuff organically. So we just brought him in and made a bag with him. So we're trying to find in the future, we're hoping to do more of that type of stuff, find communities and create bags around them with key opinion leaders to sort of be the face of it. What have you, cause I was telling you a story about kind of like the cultish, you know, the cultish side of nomadic. Yeah. Uh, there's a story of, of, uh, it was in Amsterdam this past summer at an event and there was a guy that was on my row and I looked over and I saw his bag and I'm like, Oh, why is my bag over there? Yeah. Right. And he had a nomadic bag. So I looked at it and I looked at him and then he looked at my bag and then looked at me. And then we kind of did like the bro, you know, the bro <laughs> nod. Yeah. Right. So how have you, how have you, like, what are some examples of that that you've seen out there? And have you guys tr- tried to figure out ways in which you capitalize on that? Yeah, we definitely, I love that story because it's exactly what we've actually had talks about in our conference. We were like, as motorcycles drive by, they look at each other and give like a peace sign and they like have this brotherhood where they're like, Hey, we're, we're <laughs> totally. brothers. Like yeah. oh, we're in yeah. this together. We're on the, we're road warriors. Yeah. Like we're doing this. And we want that feeling of like nomadic is all about life on the move or life on the move is more than just physical movement. It's like a way of being constantly yeah. growing, developing, becoming more. And so we want people like when you see someone with a nomadic bag, you're like, oh, that guy is like doing cool stuff. I like that guy. And if you have one on you, like, yeah. hey, we're, we're changing the world here. That's so we amazing. want that feeling. So that's something we push for. And we do something with our ambassadors, like Lewis House and those yeah. guys. We do life on the move videos where we really talk about these people that are changing the world or doing, doing really cool things. We do big videos in our, on our YouTube channel where we tell their story. We don't push the product at all. We just say, hey, here's how this person's doing really cool stuff and this person and this person. So we're, Growing this culture of people involved with nomadic aren't just your average people. Yeah. They're, they're really exceptional individuals. And so that's kind of a, something we're really trying to push with the brand because we believe that people who are like that really want quality gear or they want to be organized. They want to have their whole life all. It really gives you confidence as you travel. Well, it totally makes sense based on how you do kind of the product development where you just go find all the bags that are out there, find other stuff that's out there that yeah. you would compete with and mm-hmm. take all the good, leave all the bag yeah. uh, and make it look cool. Yeah, uh-huh, exactly. Which is, pro- which is profound because that's why I bought my, I bought mine. I didn't know you, didn't know it was a Utah company. I just looked at a few different bags and I knew exactly what I wanted because yeah. I had experienced bad bags. Yeah. Right. And that's what I came across. And it's been a, it's been a cool experience since. Good. I didn't know he had luggage. I just bought like a way luggage <laughs> for my wife. I didn't know he had yeah, they have a hundred day return policy. Oh, do, do they really? And I, <laughs> they're still in the box. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, there you all go. Right, you sold me. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Well, maybe let's, as we kind of conclude, maybe you walk through some of the, the, the more challenging pieces of your entrepreneur journey. I think for me, you know, I'll, I'll tell mine while you're thinking about yours. You know, me, it came to, it's been uh, relationships, right? Because I work alongside people and I'm not from Utah. I kind of consider this like my second family. Right. And, and so I, you know, become friends with people and, you know, and then when, when friction starts to happen, right. Or when, you know, we have different opinions of this, that, and the other, that's been really challenging for, for me. Right. So hiring is something that I've really focused on over the last couple of years. And we, you know, used uh, programs like top grading and we, you know, have ways in which we go about doing interviews to hire the right people. We've made some just amazing, like some of the people we have now are just amazing from the day one. Right. And, and a lot of it comes down to, you know, seeking those that align with your culture, your, your values, but also are good at what you're hiring them for. Right. And I just thought a job description was like, okay, Google marketing person, job description, and then copy paste. But, that, but it's like that, I think got me in a lot of trouble, right. With, yeah. with a lot of different positions. Uh, that's been some of the biggest challenge I've faced is parting ways with people I considered friends. Right. So what are or maybe some of the things that you've experienced that have been difficult uh, to overcome? Yeah. I would say not to just take the same thing, but I would say that dealing with working with a, a team, rallying a team around you, getting them excited, getting them aligned, getting the vision there so that everyone's just excited to be there. And when they celebrate a win, they're celebrating the right win, though that I think is a win too. Like mm-hmm. all those pieces, it's tough to figure out how to really get people excited because, and it's, it's scary too. Like when you bring someone on your team, you're making commitments to each other. We're like, I'm bringing you on because I believe in you. 
and I'm going to keep you employed here. And I hope that you succeed. I don't want to just like let you go the next day. Like I really want to provide a really awesome place for you to work and you love it here. And that's what I'm committing to do. And they're committing to work hard and help build some build value. That's tricky when you're really, you really want to help people. So people getting them aligned, getting the vision all together is hard. Everything else, I feel like all of it's hard. <laughs> it's funny, you'll, you'll be an entrepreneur and you say like, People will say, I want to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to do this. And you, and they say like, oh, by this time I'll have this and this. And you're like, it's so hard. It takes so much longer than you think. Like nothing is easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I feel like everything else, like you can put it on a checklist and say, okay, do this, then do this, then do this on a lot of things. But for, but working with people and just being a human and just engaging with them and really wanting them to really want them, helping them want to be a part of the team, is, it's tough. But when it, when it's like the highest highs and the lowest lows, when, when it's good, it's really good. And when it's hard, it's really hard. So well, yeah. we're, ho- we're hockey players. Yep. I learned you're a fellow hockey yep. player, so we can take the punches, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. Develop <laughs> a thick skin. Well, I look at, you know, it's one of those things where I think re- relationships are what make the world go round. And a lesson I learned, and I've learned sev- several times, right, is that people aren't all going to care as much about the brand, the direction as, as you are, even right. though you want them to. And for me, it's layering on expectations that they should have, right? Based on what I would set as expectation, not necessarily there's expectations. And so that's where I think it's profound as you onboard people and you talk about your values and what you want for people, right? How you want them to operate and work together. I mean, those are the expectations, right? And setting that from day one, because people are going to, people are going to, the expectations will exist. Either you create them or they will create themselves, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah. then you have no control over yeah. that. Right. And I think that's been a huge, uh, a huge lesson because uh, yeah. people, right. The people are, are part of a, of a business, right. Yeah. And getting the people game, understanding the psychology of how, yeah. how people work, how they're motivated. It is a challenge, yeah, but it's also it's, fun. And it's, it's tough to sit there and constantly stomach how you have to realize how bad you are at it. No one is intuitively great. Everything in business or even, yeah. And people might be good at like 10% and they can really excel those things. But yeah. the other 90%, like it is so painful how often you have to look at yourself and you have to say that you're the problem. Like you have to recognize your fault in it because it's never not. Yeah. Someone else, it's never just like someone else's fault. If you're saying that you're always wrong. Oh yeah. You play a big part. And so as a leader this year, especially as we've grown from like six people to 18 people on the team, so many times I'm just like, I am so bad at this. <laughs> how do I get better? What, what book can I read? How can I? And you try and try and try. And it's just hard. You just have to realize that you're just going to keep growing and you're going to keep failing, learning and growing and try to become better and try to be fair to people. Well, it's it's interesting because obviously it's clear that you embody your values, right? By saying some of the things that you've said, because clearly success doesn't, you know, the success that you guys have has not come by just like you not knowing what you're doing. Obviously, you know what you're doing in a lot of different ways. But I also say that, you know, something I've really resonated with uh, this year as we've talked about, you know, entrepreneurship. And then just really doing some self-reflection. It's, you know, the where you want your company company to go, who you want them to be together mm-hmm. cannot outpace you, right? It mm-hmm. can't be at your level. In order for it to grow, you have to grow first. Right. right? And you can't lead a person to a place that they haven't or that you haven't been to. Right. Right. And that's where when I connected that, right, that's where it's like reading, studying, events, coaching, right, made such a difference because I realized yeah. like I had to break thresholds in order for the team around me to break their thresholds. So what are some yeah. of the things you've done? Because it sounds like you've resonated with that as well. Like what are some of the things you've done to expand your capacity as a leader? I mean, I think humility and, and understanding your values first is is huge. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that I've been trying to focus on more and more, and it's really in my mind right now because I'm working through as I'm preparing for 2020. I have this goal of having a fresh start, you know, new year, fresh start, all those things. 2020. That's right. (laughs) My diet starts tomorrow. (laughs) It's a lot of first recognizing what's wrong, talking with your employees and saying, where am I falling short? Being open to listen to them. It's amazing what you don't know is happening behind all the office closed doors. Like I'll talk with some of our employees and learn all kinds of stuff (laughs) I didn't know existed. And just having those conversations is huge, you know, and Everything they're saying, there's always a grain of truth to it. Yep. Even if it hurts, if it's wrong, whatever. If you if you feel it's a lie, there's always a grain of truth to it, and you can't ignore anything. Or exaggerated, mm-hmm. it's still it's exaggeration of something. Of must be something true. that I did or someone else yep. did. Yep. And there's something in there, some part of the system that's broken that has to be fixed. And so, um, as far as growing myself, 
I, I always go back to that humility, like just saying, this is the fault. How do I, I, I and I think the a big piece is like communication. We always, another thing we always say is if there's a problem, come and talk to us. Don't let it fester. We will never be angry about that. And we live up, we live by that. Like when people come and talk, talk to us, we are never angry. We always say, thank you for telling us, how do we fix this? And then we create plans together. Like, okay, I'm not giving enough. I learned I'm not giving enough recognition to some players on my team and I need to recognize them more. So how do I do that better? And, um, talking with their directors to say, what, what systems can we put in place? So just, just open communication about everything. And whenever someone comes with a problem, never let yourself think that it's not true. (laughs) It always is. Well, there's, it's the, it's the nature of the feedback loop, Mm -hmm. right? And that there's so many instances of that in, in different parallels. Like I think John Boyd is the one that really popularized the, the feedback loop, which is his OODA loop, which is observe, orient, decide, and act. Is that right? And then it, just, it loops back, yeah, loops, back right. loops back, loops back, loops mm-hmm. back. And it's the more feedback you can get, the quicker the feedback. Yeah. Right. The more, and that, that, that's just the nature of a team because, yeah. you know, everyone brings a perspective of life to the table. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. That you don't. And, and we all have our what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, what's success, what's failure, what incentivizes me, what doesn't incentivize me. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> right. And that's like the com- more communication, the more openness, and the, the, you can, you know, feed that the quicker you can either talk about it and communicate Just in a way that people understand. There. Exactly. Uh-huh. So then you can move forward because yeah. the last thing you want is like some sort of like sliver in a person's oh, thumb. It's so small and so tiny and so insignificant, but yet it's so annoying. They cannot, you can't do anything <laughs> it slowly else. slowly gets infected and gets worse and worse. Like that's <laughs> that what too. happens. That oh. too. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So do you guys do like a SWOT analysis with, with uh, like strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats with like your team? Do you do like net promoter score? Like, what are some of the things you do to get feedback from your team? You know, when we early on, we try to do one-on-ones really frequently oh, cool. and just talk through what's going on yeah. with everybody. As we've gotten bigger, we've tried to learn. I think this is what I'm learning right now is we've gotten bigger and now had directors who are over multiple people and then I'm over the director. And that's yeah. been an interesting thing to be one more step away from yeah, the from people on the front lines. Yeah. Like, how do you make sure that they're... Because when I had one-on-ones, I could get a pulse of, is that person happy or not? Yep. And now that I say this, I, I hope that my directors are savvy in human connection enough to be able to feel, yes, this person isn't happy and I need to fix that. Yep. But you don't know. And so you have to, so um, for us, it's just constant communication. We don't have, we don't, I don't, we don't have a big format, which is what I'm trying to do for the next year. But um, I think it's just trying to constantly communicate on a regular basis, have something on the calendar that says we're going to meet at this time every month and they can rely on that. I think it's huge. Yeah, there's ways in which you can which you can do it, but I think it has to work with the company based on what the culture is, mm-hmm. right? And that is it's totally true. When you start to go from the distance of one to one to once removed, twice removed, three yeah. times removed, it becomes it becomes challenging, especially yeah. if you connect with people uh, at that level. But it's just I think that's part of the journey, you know, yeah, part of those part of those stages, right? Mm-hmm. Is you go from being in the business to working on the business, right. but as far as scale and making the biggest difference. Okay, you go from connected to the customer and connected to the company and employees to connected to as much of the customer as possible and mm-hmm. to those level of employees, right? The director levels, the executive levels that, that then, you know, carry the message forward, right? Yeah. It's a, man, it's, it's, we, like I said in the beginning, we could probably share a lot of war stories. Yeah. Right. But it's just part of, it's part of the journey. Yeah. And it's incredible. I think <clears> one of my favorite things is when you set up those multiple layers, but it works. When something works, it's it's the most incredible thing. Oh yeah! And then everyone along the line is happy, and everyone feels rewarded. Like it's so beautiful when it works. Like it's the yeah. best feeling, and and you're changing people's lives yeah. by creating opportunities where we can have a fun place to work. And it's what it's all about. Like for me, as I'm doing entrepreneurship, like I created a wallet, and I kind of laugh. Like when it comes into my life, I'm like, yeah, I created a wallet in my life. But really, that's not what it is. Like you're working with these people and changing yeah. their lives and creating relationships and creating a good life for yourself and everyone around you. And that's what it's all about. Well, dude, there's there's a dynamic of team. And I think if you look at individual sports versus team sports, even in individual sports like golf, yeah. like you see these little cliques and groups that form, right? Why does the President's Cup exist, right? Because right. Th- people like want to be part of a group or a yeah. team, right? Mm-hmm. And you look at, you know, some of the most iconic teams in history, obviously the, you know, the Jazz, Stockton to Malone and and just the icon, those iconic players that worked so well together, yeah. right? The Chicago Bulls and their mm-hmm. dynasty, right? And you, and you still see it today to a degree. The Jazz right now, 
mm-hmm. right? They're, last year, they had just an incredible team and an incredible leadership. And when some of those players, right, start to not do so well, okay, sometimes the whole team and the whole structure falls, right? right? But when everybody is kind of picking up the pieces and supporting one another, it's amazing how it kind of re-energizes the entire team, yeah. right? But I look at a business and actually taking something that, that didn't exist, turning it into something that does exist, that people like and yeah. love, and you have cult, you know, following behind it yeah. and people participating in that yeah. is like super, it, it's just super empowering. It's yeah. one of those feelings that like it feeds that entrepreneurial, you know, hunger yeah. uh, and it, it kind of like fulfills you, but then it makes you more hungry. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like potato absolutely. chips or it's something. It's such a good feeling when it works. <laughs> you just want more. But the same thing, it's like if you didn't make mistakes, if you didn't fall short, if you didn't fail in certain capacities, you're not, gonna, you're not going to enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. When you, when you fail and then you make it work and your team sees yourself progress, sees your, sees your team progress. It's so good. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's a, there's a quote we used on one of the episodes as far as like the depth of your feeling or experience and the deeper you go as far as failure and experience, the more you expand in the other side of the spectrum. Right. And there's total truth to that when it comes to business. It's like stretching yourself. It's like muscle like building muscle, right? You tear with you know heavier weights, now you can lift, you go heavier. But in order to lift even more heavier, you have to tear first, right, and yeah, go deeper. True. So anyway, dude, it's awesome to hear your your story, and grateful for you, you know, coming in and sharing it with us. How can listeners, the audience, buy bags from Nomadic first? I mean, yeah. it's such an awesome product. But how can they learn more about Nomadic? Uh, how can they follow you? See what you guys are up to on social media. Like, what's the best way to totally. for them to connect? Yeah, just go to nomadic.com. That's our website. You can buy product there. At the bottom, you see our social feeds, but on most social feeds, we're um, at Nomadic on Instagram. We have a YouTube channel where we have those life on the move videos. We highlight a lot of entrepreneurs who are doing cool stuff. Oh, cool. Some local ones, some that aren't local. And we just talk about that. You can get understand like what our culture is all about and stuff. So check it out. Check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and our website. That's amazing. Well, yeah. Jacob, not Jason, Jacob. <laughs> That's right. It was awesome to have you yeah. here. Great right. Here. Pleasure Thanks to meet you. Yeah. And thanks for what you're doing and really like championing the entrepreneurial spirit. It's, uh, it's really inspirational and motivational. Thanks. It's fun. All right, everyone. Thanks. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Hope you guys have an amazing holiday season and we'll check in with you next episode. Until then. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Oh,